This is episode 370 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life so you can love your people, get prepared, and live free. Today's article, A Portable Water Distiller. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Everyone, this episode is sponsored by my new ebook, The Preparedness Community's Guide to a Microbiz and Increasing Your Finances. It's time to finally advance your preparedness goals. Get the ebook and join the forums. Go to microbiz.biz for more information or click the link in the show notes or come to the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. All right, so if you are a member of my email list today or at least uh, Tuesday, uh, if you've been listening to the podcast for any amount of time, you know that I record the podcast the evening before it's released. So you have it first thing in the morning on your morning commute. And so uh, on Tuesday, I sent out an article, an old article from the archives on water and building a sand filter and why that would be a good idea to have the plans and the know-how and maybe even the supplies on hand if there ever was a situation where, um, you know, your filters, I mean, we all have, if you've been in preparedness for a little while, even if you are new to it, you should have water filters, you know, at the minimum, like a life straw or a Sawyer mini water filter. I mean, those are, those are important to have. But if you ever get to a point where they stop working and they stop filtering water for you, you need to have some means to do that. You need to protect yourself uh, and uh, you protect your family. And so I sent that out, and hopefully uh, if you are a member of the email list, you got that. Or if you haven't checked it out, go ahead and check it out because I think it's one of those really great articles. It's a, a really old one, but it's one of those that you might want to print out. And so on this podcast episode, I wanted to continue on with the theme of water because water is very important. That is one of the important things that you need to make sure that you have um, you know, you have squared away, and you need to have multiple ways to have water for you and your family, and it, it needs to be safe, right? Safe water to drink. Um, you don't want to be in the middle of a disaster, whatever kind of disaster that might be, and then you're dealing with the fact of you're thirsty, dehydration, or you're drinking water that's not sanitary, and then you have all these other kind of health issues on top of the disaster that you're dealing with. So this article from Survival Blog is dealing with a portable water distiller. And so it walks you through how to make one and uh, gives you a lot of great detail. Again, this is one that you'll probably want to go visit because there are pictures. You know, back in the day, Survival Blog didn't used to have any pictures at all. It was just pretty much all text. But this one does have some pictures to give you a good idea of what they're talking about. And uh, so you can read this one and you can, uh, it has parts list here that I'm going to read for you. And uh, it's it's actually two articles, and so that's why I'm only reading one. Um, you know, and depending on you know how long articles are in the future, it could be that I only read one. Right, I've done that before in the past. But uh, this is two articles. I'm reading it together as one article uh, for this podcast, so I can give it all to you all at one time. And so uh, I'm going to go ahead and start reading this one because I think this is important. And if you have the means to make a water distiller, uh, or even there are some that you can even purchase, I, I think this would be something that you should have in your arsenal of preparedness. So let's go ahead and jump right into this one. 
Water is arguably one of the, if not the, most critical element to survival. Recent history has shown us that clean water is almost always one of the first items to become unavailable after a disaster. Since I live within a day's walk of the Atlantic Ocean and occasionally camp near the shore, I wanted to make a water distiller that could handle salt water as well as some of the more contaminated freshwater sources. My requirements were portable. It should be portable, so that means that it must be something that I could carry inside of or strap to a backpack and use in the field. It needs to be rugged and reliable. A lot of the designs I have seen require flexing of the copper coil to set it up and take it down. This coiling and uncoiling would eventually lead to a failure and so could not be part of my design. I needed something more rugged and reliable. It needed to be self-contained. It must be self-contained. I did not want to rely on having to find rocks or logs or scrounge anything to set it up. It needs to be easy to set up. I wanted to be able to easily set it up and take it down. This should be done within a minute or two. And it needed to be efficient. It should be efficient. I wanted it to be able to fill my 32-ounce water bottle with a single session. It needed to be 99.99% effective for some contaminants. I realize that this type of distillation may not be 100% effective for some contaminants. It may not remove all volatile organic compounds, or VOCs, with a boiling point higher than water. Contaminant particles may get carried by the stream, etc. However, my experience that is that 99.99% effective, which is about as good as you're going to get with a portable, self-contained solution in an SHTF situation without either stocking a ton of activated charcoal or finding a fully functional water treatment plant. Common sense applies. Try to avoid standing water sources from around chemical plants, airports, tank farms, etc. I would recommend trying it out on water sources that you will most likely use in your post-SHTF operating area and testing the output to make sure it is drinkable. For me, the big use case is that it makes salt water and other questionable sources drinkable. If you are really worried about it, you can distill the water multiple times or run it through an activated charcoal filter after distilling. Note that by distilling the water first, this should make your filter last a lot longer since it will not have to handle as many contaminants. So the material used. Here are the materials I used. I had many of them on hand from previous projects, but I have tried to provide equivalents that can be found online or at your local home center. If you, bu- if you have to buy everything, it is my guess that this will probably cost around $75 or so. So a 5-inch metal HVAC round duct, a 5-inch round metal end cap. This one is an inside cap, but I had an outside cap, so I used that. JB Weld. A single-walled 55-ounce stainless steel water bottle, steel lid for 55-ounce bottle, a 20, 20 foot or 20 feet of 1/4 inch flexible copper tubing, six feet of 1/4 inch ID by 3/8 OD food-grade silicone tubing, tubing high temperature, three feet of 1/4 inch aluminum rod, 1/4 inch barbed adapter bolt and two large washers that fit the threaded end of the barbed adapter, spray paint, three quarter inch by 20 coupling nuts, and silicon silicon sealant. I chose a 55 ounce single walled stainless steel bottle as a boiler since these things are never 100% efficient and you need to discard the first few minutes of output to allow VOCs with lower boiling points and such to drain out. 
I figured the final result should just about fill up my 32 ounce water bottle. Note that you need to use a single walled steel bottle because a double walled insulated bottle will take a long time to heat the water. To start making the distiller, I wrapped coils of copper. I carefully spiral wrapped the copper tubing around the water bottle, leaving the top pointing straight up, cooling tower input, and the bottom pointing perpendicular to the side of the coil. That's the cooling tower output. If your package of copper tubing comes with protective rubber end caps, save them. I've made a couple of iterations of this and I found that 10 to 12 coils of copper tubing seem to be enough to condense most of the steam when using reasonable cool water in the cooling tower. I pried off the carrying ring that was spot welded on the top of the 55 ounce water bottle cap, cut open the bottom and drilled a hole through the top to fit the threaded part of the barbed adapter. Use a couple of large washers, one on top and one on bottom, for strength and to improve sealing. Then screw the barbed adapter through the hole, barb pointing up. I also applied some silicon sealant to the washers before tightening. Here's a side view with that done. And here's a view of the bottom with the metal cut away. Next, I built a combo cooling tower carrying case. To make this, I carefully cleaned all of the galvanized metal with a weak solution of water and ammonia, followed by soap and warm water. This is necessary so the paint sticks later. I cut the duct length down to 13 inches, sealed the side seam with silicone, and used JB Weld to glue one of the end caps on. I also added some silicone sealant to help seal the end cap and make it watertight. Then I drilled a quarter inch hole on the side of the bottom for the cooling coil output. I cut a V-notch in the top edge on the opposite side from the output hole so that I would be able to pour more cool water into the cooling tower while I am distilling and the overflow will not spill down over the clean water output. I wanted to raise the cooling tower up off the ground so the steam would go upwards from the boiler to the cooling tower and the distilled output would flow down into my water bottle. Because I did not want to rely on finding rocks or logs to set it on, I made some legs for it. For legs, I cut the aluminum rod into 12 inch lengths, threaded the ends a quarter by 20, and bent them slightly about two inches from the threaded end. And again, guys, there are pictures here that help you see everything that he's talking about. I glued the three coupling nuts, also quarter inch by 20 threads, evenly spaced around the base of the cooling tower using JB Weld. To make sure the JB Weld holds, I roughed up the gluing surface of each nut and the gluing location on the cooling tower with some sandpaper. So several coats of battleship gray paint went on the cooling tower. Paint is necessary because uncoated galvanized metal will rust if it is exposed to salt water. Once the paint dried, I temporarily plugged the output hole. I used a quarter inch bolt and some rubber washers. Then I filled the tower with water to check for any leaks in the seam or around the base. If you find any leaks, fill them in with silicone sealer on the inside since it will last longer. I then cut the high temp silicone tubing into several lengths as described below. One at two feet to go from the boiler output barbed adapter in the boiler bottle lid to the cooling tower input top end of the copper coil. The silicon tubing I had fit snugly over the copper tubing, so I did not need to put any kind of barbed end on the coil. 
Using the flexible silicon tubing to get the steam from the boiler to the cooling tower makes it easy to position things where I need to without having to bend the copper and since the silicon tubing is rated for up to 200 degrees Celsius or 392 degrees Fahrenheit, it can handle the steam. One, another tubing at 10 inches to go over the end of the cooling tower output and down into my water bottle. Note that silicon tubing tends to collect dust and dirt easily, so I, kept, I keep these pieces in a Ziploc bag when it is not in use. I cut what remained into three even links to attach vertically to the outside of the copper coil using some wire to act as spacers or bumpers. Since the outside of the coil is smaller in diameter than the inside of the cooling tower, this keeps the coil centered and prevents it from rattling around during transport. Once the paint on the cooling tower dried and all leaks had been sealed, I slid the coil down into it and pushed the end of the copper coil out the quarter inch hole I had drilled. This may require some gentle bending and filling of the hole. Then I used some more JB Weld to keep it in place. You should scrape off some of the paint around the opening to get a better hold. This is important since the copper coil can move around a little and if you just use silicone to seal the hole, it will eventually pull loose. I kept the rubber caps that came in the copper tubing package so I can cover the ends of the coil while not in use to keep dirt out. Slip the metal legs and boiler bottle into the cooling tower and wrap the silicone tubing around it near the top for storage. You could use another metal end cap as a cover, but they fit pretty tightly and I was worried about scraping the paint off and getting some rust on the exposed metal. Personally, I use an old hiking tent carrying bag from my bag collection to carry the distiller. To set the distiller up, remove the legs, silicone tubing sections, and the boiler bottle from the cooling tower case. Screw the legs into the coupling nuts at the base of the cooling tower and attach the two foot length of silicone tubing to the top coil input and the 10 inch piece to the coil output. Do not place the output tube into the clean water bottle yet, just leave it hanging. Fill the boiler bottle to about an inch or so from the top with the water you want to distill. Screw the lid on and place it on your heat source. It fits perfectly on my camp stove which is shown in the above picture. Connect the free end of the two foot silicone tubing to the barb on top of the boiler bottle. Fill the cooling water with water and light your fire. Once you start seeing water come from the output tube, let it drip for a minute or so to clear potential VOCs and other contaminants. Then place the output tube into your clean water bottle. If you have access to more water, contaminated is fine. Pour it into the cooling tower as the process moves along to cool the heated water. This improves the condensation and converts more steam into water. Once the 32 ounce bottle is full, turn off the flame, let the boiler cool down, and then dump the contents out. The distillation process is more likely to include contaminants in the steam as the pure water in the boiler evaporates and the last 25% or so of your source water that is left in the boiler will be a very concentrated mixture of stuff you don't want to drink. So test it out. I have used this with a few gallons of ocean salt water and some water from a boat club on a river and I tested the output using a DIY water testing kit from Home Depot. The output from both sources tested as drinkable. Furthermore, the output tasted like fresh water. 
In addition to what is written above, I have a couple of notes that follow. Over time, you tend to get crud built up inside the boiler bottle. I found a bottle brush that I now keep in the kit to clean the residue out of the boiler bottle after each use. Keep in mind that you are dealing with fire, boiling water, steam, and hot metal. So if you are not careful, you can end up with some nasty burns. I keep a silicone pot holder glove in the kit in case I need to grab something hot to make adjustments or break it down in the event I need to quickly vacate the area. If you want to distill more than one bottle in a session, pour the water from the cooling tower into the boiler for subsequent distills since it is already partially heated and should boil quicker. All right, guys, that is it for this article. Um, I wanted to, you know, one of the things that people talk about a lot is when you distill water, you're distilling all the minerals out. So one of the the, uh, editors over at Survival Blog did leave uh, a message here um, because one of the comments was, um, is it not a bad thing to have a steady diet of distilled water stripped of all the natural minerals so needed for good health? And then the response was, actually, this isn't a factor at all. Very few, if any, of your minerals come from your water. Your food supplies them. Distilled water is basically the same as reverse osmosis for the end product. That is where water is forced under pressure through a membrane that strips out the minerals, among other things. It requires pressure in order for this to work. The process that occurs naturally is just osmosis. That is where the water with lots of minerals draws the water with a few minerals through the membrane. Normal osmosis is what occurs in your body, not reverse osmosis. It is impossible for distilled water or reverse osmosis water to strip minerals from your body. If anything, it would cause water retention, but a properly functioning kidney easily deals with this. As long as you have sufficient mineral intake through your food, you will see no difference with distilled water. So just wanted to add that there because I know that that probably that comes up a lot uh, when, when you talk about distilled water. But uh, the system here, it's a nice, it's a small little system. Well, you know, using the stove that he has, I can see that I mean, it's very portable. And so uh, when you're talking about, you know, running out of uh, your know, water filters and different things like that, having this is really uh, a game changer. And it looks like, you know, it all fits all inside of each other and uh, nice and neat for you. So uh, definitely I would um, recommend that you come check out this article uh, because you do see the pictures in there and it does seem like it's pretty easy to make. Um, you know, you weren't using a lot of, uh, he wasn't talking about a lot of tools that he used. I think he drilled a hole and uh, maybe some tin snips to, uh, to cut a V shape and uh, some scissors to cut the tubing and different things like that. But, uh, you know, I think, I think this is very easy, very doable. And of course there are distillers that you can buy out there on the market. If you're not the DIYer out there and, uh, you can, you can do that. I know that there's been uh, people before on the past that we, that have had webinars and that have sold distilling, uh, you know, water distillers, uh, to people, you know, or to readers of prepper website. And so I know that they're out there. So if this is something that you're interested in, again, it's another tool in your arsenal of preparedness and it's something for water. It's one of those, it's a backup of the backup of the backup that people should definitely consider. So if you're listening to this and you don't have any water filters at all, I do think you you, you do, uh, not even I, I think, you do need to go out and you need to have some. It's very important. So you know, I always talk about life straws. I know people say life straws, uh, you know, the, the Sawyer mini water filters are better than the life straws. And I do agree with that. 
but the live straws are the real easy ones. And so if you have people in, you know, family that uh, might not know how to use a Sawyer mini water filter, um, the, the live straw is very easy. You pop the top, you stick it in the water and you suck it up like a straw. It's that simple, right? And you can get those for fourteen ninety nine. Sometimes on sale for nine ninety nine, depending on you know on Amazon. Sometimes uh, nine nineteen ninety nine. So somewhere around there, and it's definitely worth it, especially if you're talking about having like a pack, uh, a bug out bag. It's a very easy uh, solution. And then you want to have that Sawyer uh, water uh, or the mini water filter there, um, and you know learn how to use it. There's videos, there's directions. You can. It's really simple, but you know it's it's not as simple as the Life Straw. And then of course from there you go on up and you purchase. You know you might have bigger water filters that you're going to use. I've talked about the Hydro Blue Pressurized Jerry Can. I've done a review on that one, and I'm also an affiliate for that one. And then also, uh, you know, you can't go wrong with the Berkeys. And a, a Berkey is like the Cadillac of water filters for your family if, uh, if, if you're not out and bugging out and different things like that. So, guys, you really do need to think about water filters and, uh, you know, distillers and, and multiple ways to, to have, you know, to clean your water. You also need to know how to use bleach and uh, you have water tablets that you can use. There's just a lot of different things, but you do need to have some solutions to uh, have clean water out there. And uh, like I said, I think the Life Straw is the very easiest solution and then you can move on up from there. But anyway, guys, this is going to be over at survivalblog.com. Like always, I'm going to link to both of these articles, part one and part two, uh, in the show notes, and you can go check it out. And again, I think the, uh, the the pictures really do do it justice, so you get an idea of what he's talking about, and especially the end product, product over here. All right, guys, that is it for episode 370. Thanks so much for hanging out with me on this episode. Hey, don't forget to subscribe to the show. Head on over to the Prepper website, podcast.com. That way you never miss another episode of Sweet Prepper Goodness. And take a moment to connect with me. I have a ton of ways to connect in the show notes. And with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until tomorrow, stay prepped and aware. Peace.